Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. guys, it's good to see you. Hope you're doing, doing, doing well. Um, if you're joining us online, I want to welcome you as well. Um, at this time, guys, let's, um, let's just jump in. If you can, get out your Bibles or a Bible app, and I want you to go to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to pick up in chapter 8, and we're going to look at the first 13 verses of 1 Corinthians today. Um, and we're just continuing in our study of 1 Corinthians. It's about a 13-week study. We're in week number 8. And um, we got Paul writing a letter to this church in Corinth, trying to kind of correct some of their thinking, some of the things that were going on. It just so happens that the church had um, sent Paul somehow um, some questions. And so we're in a section of the letter where the apostle Paul is answering some of the questions that this church had asked. Last week, we began that. Last week, last week, last week they asked questions about marriage, divorce, and singleness, and Today we come to another question, and it's really just a, a basic question. It's a question, it's a question, it's a question that we have all had. It's a question that you may currently have, and I guarantee you it's a question that you're going to have in the future. But here's the basic question. Here's the question, all right. What is acceptable and unacceptable conduct for a Christian? That's, that's the basic question. What is acceptable and unacceptable conduct for a Christian? You say it's simple. You know, what can we do? You know, can, can I do this or can I do this or can I not do this? What is acceptable for you and I to do? All right, that's the question. That's the question. And I get asked that a lot. Now, we all know this. We know the Bible is very clear on certain things. We know that. We know the Bible says, Christian, you're not supposed to cheat, you're not supposed to steal, lie, be sexually immoral. We know that. Like nobody ever calls me, texts me, emails me, DMs me, whatever, and says, Travis, I want to meet with you. And they meet with me and they go, listen, I'm really concerned. I want to know this. Is it okay if I lie? No one never asked me that because we all know that's not something we're supposed to do. But there's many times, and we all know this in life, where you find yourself in a situation and it's not as simple as right and wrong. It's what you might call, I know it's a weird thing, but it's kind of a, I don't know, a gray area. It's a, it's a gray area, okay? So what do you do then? What do you do that? What do you do then? Chris, what do you do when it's a gray area? Um, let me give you some examples. I got examples. I got examples of gray areas. Um, here's what I want to do. Um, I want to give you an example of a gray area in another culture because that's easier. It's easier to talk about other cultures. And then um, I'm going to give you some gray areas in our culture, and maybe it will be more palatable in that way. All right. So 
You guys know um, I lived in Africa um, nine years. The first two years in Africa, I worked, we, my wife and I worked with a, a tribe called the Sakuma tribe. You know, the Sakuma tribe, um, Tanzania has 122 different tribes. They all speak a different language, um, but Swahili is the overriding language. Um, the Sakuma is the largest tribe there, but we're working with the Sakuma people. Now, the Sakuma, historically, they used drums for almost every aspect of life. They, they loved drums. For many things, they would use drums. But one thing specifically that they used drums in is when they would worship. And they're worshiping pagan deities, right? They got all these different ancestors and stuff, and they would use drums to worship them. So what would happen, or what did happen, what probably still happens is God saves in that tribe they come, they get saved, they start reading the Bible, they start coming to the church, and they got this question, hey, can I still play my drum in the church? And I'm like, it depends, are you good or not? No, that's not, no. No, they're like, listen, listen, that's the question. And so some in the church, some in the church, they'd say, no, you can't be playing no drums up in the church. That's what we did when we worship pagan, pagan gods, pagan things. That's pagans do that. You don't want to do that in the church. Other people in the church saying, no, it's okay, man, play the drums. Play the drums all that you want to do, all right? And so that's the tension, you know, the tension, and it causes division. Can I play drums? Can I not play drums? All right? And then you come, let's do this. Let's now, let's, let's now, let's, let's now um, bring it, let's bring it to us. That's the general thing, you know. I've had, listen, don't raise your hand. Nobody here get an argument, because you're going to have different opinions on this stuff. But I get sincere Christians, they come into my office, and they ask stuff like this. This is what they ask. Travis, Travis, can I get a tattoo. Can a Christian get a tattoo, right? Can I listen to this type of music, right? Here's a one. This is a new one, kind of new. Well, not, not a little bit new, but hey, hey, Travis, is it okay if I get a piercing, right? Can, can I watch this movie? Um, can, 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 can I wear this? Now, and all people all start different, different kind of places, you know. Some people, you can, you can't, and you get this conflict, and you get this division, but it's the same question. It's the same question can I do this? Can I not do this? This one has an opinion. This one has an opinion. Kind of gray in the Bible. What can I do? That's the general question. Now let's take it to the Corinthian church. Now this, this is the same question. They got a different issue. Their, their, their issue wasn't, I don't know, drums. Their issue wasn't, I don't know, how many piercings can I get or anything? Tat, can I get a tat? That's not their problem. Their problem, their problem was meat. Meat is their problem, okay? Because Back there, kind of like the Sakuma, they kind of associated meat with pagan worship. That's kind of what they had going on. And so it kind of worked out like this, you know, before they got saved, come together, kill an animal, slaughter it, have a sacrifice in this false religion, false God in these ceremonies, all right? And what happens is God saves some of them, they come into the church. And so you get that division in the church. Some people like, hey, is it okay? For me to eat meat is not okay to eat meat. Some, some people saying, no, you can't eat demon meat. You can't be eating that demon meat. You can't do that. Other people in the church saying, hey, listen, there's no such thing as demon meat, non-demon meat. It's just meat. You eat meat and you think, Jesus, you got meat, you know? But it's still division in the church, you know? So you, you, this, it, this, 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 this is not new. So it's a good question. They got together because Paul was alive back in 2,000 years ago. They go, we're, gonna, we're just going to ask Paul, what is acceptable for us to do? What can we do? All right. So he's going to answer them. This is so practical. This is so helpful. Let's walk through it. Chapter 8, verse 1. He's answering that question. First thing we'll see this. Knowledge can lead to arrogance. I'll begin there. That's where Paul begins. Verse 1. 
Now concerning food offers to idols. Okay, so he's telling, this is the subject. I've just been talking about um, marriage, divorce, singleness, all of that. But now concerning the other question, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up but loves, love builds up. Okay, that's how he begins it. Let's talk about it, okay? So Paul begins by saying, listen, listen, people, we, we all got knowledge. He, it's we, it's Paul. He's included. I got knowledge, you got knowledge, we all got knowledge, all right? We all possess knowledge, all right? Now, Paul's not saying knowledge is not important. Knowledge is absolutely important. Church, get knowledge. Most important thing I'd say, get knowledge. Do all you can to obtain knowledge because knowledge is essential, However, Paul is saying knowledge may be essential, but knowledge is not sufficient, right? It's essential, but not sufficient. Why, 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 why is knowledge in and of itself not sufficient? Because knowledge, and he's saying it here, in and of itself, it terminates in me. It just terminates in me. You know it's true. You know it's true, guys, right, right. Knowledge is, knowledge, knowledge alone is like self-gratification. Look at me, man. Look at me. Look what I know. Look what you do not know. Marvel at my wisdom. Knowledge alone is not sufficient because it ends with me. And what does it do? Puffs you up. Puffs you up. Makes you proud. Now, I'd say this. You've all seen it. We've all seen it. I know it happens. Like, 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 like someone walk, you talk, you talk and you talking, and then someone walks up to you and they correct you. And they correct you because, I don't know, they got a nugget of information that you do not possess. They have something you do not possess. You don't have that knowledge and they come up to you and they interrupt you and they show off the nugget of information they have. And they, and they don't have the nugget of information because they're smarter than you or wiser than you. They just, I don't know, got some information prior to you. I don't know, right? And they're not coming up because they want to lovingly correct you. They're coming up. Why are they coming up to you? You know it. They're coming up to you because they want to show off. They want to show off. And sometimes they want to show off with other people looking. So they will, you, they will get marveled at while you're pushed down. I know something that you don't know. Let me correct you. This puffs you up. But Paul says, you got to contrast that. It is important to have. It's not sufficient. He says, well, you got to love, man. You knowledge, love. He says, love builds up, right? you got to have the love and the knowledge, put it together. Knowledge without love really has no use at all. they got to be combined together. That's what he's saying. Verse 2. Here we go. This, I lo- this, man, all these, this is, this is all gold, guys. This is all gold. If anyone imagines, that means if any of you sitting there thinking this, that he knows something, well, you may not say it, you're thinking it, you know, you you may be thinking it. He says, that person, he does not know yet, does not yet know as he ought to know. All right, it's good. You're sitting there thinking, he's in there, there, I'm, 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 I'm smart, I know stuff, I know stuff. He says, no. If you think that in your heart, that thought in and of itself is evidence that you are yet lacking knowledge. You don't got it. You don't got it. If you think that you are knowledgeable, you're thinking you got to puffing up. You got nothing because it's evidence. That thought is evidence that you don't know stuff. And then Paul gives an example. Yeah, this is a great example. This is so. This is beautiful. This is an example. But if anyone loves God 
he is known by God. You get that? You, look, you, got, you got the two words you, right there, loves and know together. Look, in other words, no one knows God until what? They love God. They love God, right? It is when you love God that you know God and he knows you. That's the point. That's the point. That's the point. Does anyone who does not love God actually know God? No, you, you, you don't, right? And you, you know, once again, I'm not telling you stuff you don't, you don't, you're not aware of. You know, you got, I've run, you've run into these people. I'm not bashing them. This is an example. You got people got all sorts of theological education. They got, they know, no, 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 a lot of stuff. No, everything, you know, a lot of stuff, but yet they do not have affection maybe for God. You don't know God, man. You don't know God. Unless you have love for God, you can't know him. That's, that's what he's saying, right? And then he says, and God loves you, all right? So that's kind of the build up there, right? Paul's point is, don't think you've arrived just because you got knowledge. That's what he's saying, all right? So that's kind of setting the stage, all right? Knowledge can lead to arrogance. Now he's going, because he wants us to think properly. Knowledge, love. Knowledge, love. Now he's going to get to the question. Knowledge can unite believers. All right. Let's look at it. Verse 4. He says, therefore. Therefore, because knowledge is essential, but it's not sufficient. Therefore, as to eating of food offered to idols. Now he's getting, he's getting to the question. Let's get to the question. Now that we're thinking right, and we enter knowledge and love, all right, we know that an idol has no real existence, all right? And that there is no God but one, all right? Okay, church, I got to tell you something. Um, verse 4 kind of, it's messed with me. It's really messed with me. And um, this is one of the beautiful things about our Savior, our, our, our Savior, man. Um, he continues to teach you. And um, I, got, I got taken to school. I got taken, he took me to school. He's messed me up. He's messed me up, all right? Real quick. I'm going to tell you how he messed me up. I learned some stuff. And you would think, Travis, you ought known that, but I did not know that, all right? Paul's saying, I agree with you. In regards to eating, I, reg- I agree with you. We know this. An idol is nothing. There is only one God, the God of the Bible. Those idols are not God. You go up in that place, wherever it is, the temple, whatever, It's empty, man. It's empty. Nothing's there. Now, I know, I know you're thinking, we know that. We know that. We get that. This is where I got messed up. This is where I've been educated. I actually, and it should happen this way. You should read the Bible, get convicted, and change your life. Um, I got convicted reading this, and I had to kind of reexamine some of my foolishness, all right? This is, this, is, this, is, this is what I've been wrestling with, and you, some of you may think, judge me, whatever. You may think, well, that's just, that's just silliness, Travis, but it's my life, so I'm going to share it with you. That, I've, got, I've got some quirks. I've got some quirks. Okay. True story. Man, I think of only, only my wife is aware of this, okay? In my life, um, I've lived in a lot of different places, and I've been to many different countries, and I have on many occasions been invited to or had an opportunity to visit an active place of worship that is not a place of worship to the living God. So I've received invitations to mosque, to Hindu temples, and to shrines. And um, I, 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 I've, I've always refused to go in. I always have. My conscience was not strong enough. I just did not feel right doing that. And so I've always said, no, it's kind of, I'm not going to defend it. I'm just telling you where I'm at, where I was at. 
And I'd read these verses before. And, I, and this is how weird it gets. I was um, in seminary. This is so true, and it's almost embarrassing to think about. Um, we were I, with my, 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 one of my professors and some other seminary guys, and my wife was there as well. And we, we were in Israel. We were in Jerusalem. We're on the Temple Mount, and uh, they have the Dome of the Rock there. It's a mosque. It's an active mosque. And um, if you look at Jerusalem and you see the big mosque with the golden dome, that's the Dome of the Rock, okay? And um, we were going to go inside of it. Christians can't even go inside of it now. Not only that, there was a professor named Dr. Lean Rittmeyer. He's one of the leading theologians on the whole Temple Mount area. He was from, um, from, from, from Britain, and he flew over. He was going to give us a tour and explain to us the architecture and all of that stuff. And true story, man. So I'm sitting there with my professor, the guy who grades my papers, you know, the guy that I want to like me, and um, Dr. Lean Rittmeyer and some other students, and they start walking up to the Temple Mount. They're about to walk in the mosque, and I'm like, gentlemen, and my wife too, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going. I will not go in. I'm not doing it. My conscience isn't strong enough. I will not do it. And they looked at me like I was a big goober because I was, you know, doesn't matter though, man. That's, that was me. That was me. That was me. And so they go in and they, and they, they do everything and they come back out and I join them and carry on. That's happened other times in my life too. I'm not going in that place. I'm not going to do it. I guess my conscience was not where it should be, but I'm telling you, and I'm reading this week, Chapter 8, verse 4, and whatever, God the Spirit said, Travis, it's time to teach you something. You've got to be taught, man. Thank you, Jesus. You're still teaching me. He told me, Travis, you can go in any building you want to go in. I'm not, I'm, I've never prohibited you, Travis, from going in any building. There are no gods in those buildings. There's no dishonor to me for you walking into a building with emptiness in it because there ain't nothing in there. I don't care. They can be bowing down. They bow down to nothing. There's nothing in it. That's great theology, and it's freeing. I've been freed, you know, so from that. So anyway, it's great theology. Hey, church, it matters what you think. Theology matters, man, but you got to be patient with all of us because some of us are in different places. That was me, but keep going, verse 5, because he's going to talk more about this because once again, I've been, he, Jesus has been taking me to school the last couple of weeks as I studied this. He does it all the time, but this one was a little bit more um, hard. I mean, just I got changed my direction. Verse 5. For although, once again, he's explaining more, there, are, there may be so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us, Christian, there is one God, the Father. I love this basic Christian doctrine. From whom all things and for whom we exist. There's a, there's a, there's a sermon there. Come on, we're not going to get into it. Why do we exist? For the one Lord Jesus Christ. We're told right there why you exist. Worship Jesus. That's it. Glorifying. We're told, once again, stay on task. Look, come on. Throw, through him are all things and through whom we exist. All right, so he's just restating it. That's good theology, right? Hey, listen, listen. What difference, what difference does it matter what eat we meet? Don't matter. They're the offering it to an idol. That off, that's nothing, right? There's no idol there. Travis, you can go in that building. You can go in any building you want to go in there, Travis. No idol there. No idol. And then he gives a great statement of faith, one God, Jesus, and we talk about that. Now let me say, I, okay, now I do want to say this. Let me just take a, I'm sorry, I was talking about this. Um, with a little side note here. In chapter 10, he does say that demons will impersonate false gods, and he will make other, 
other people may believe there's supernatural power there or whatever. He talks about that in a moment. There's no doubt demons are going around impersonating all these, these false gods. But there's no God but one, all right? So correct knowledge matters, and it can unite us. That's what you know. It can unite us. Knowledge can, it can puff you up. You got no love. You can get all puffed up. Look what I know. I know something. I know something. Hey, and by the way, I'm thinking about this. Um, you know this once again, but you know, Christians, we can be really bad about that. I, there's so many, I mean, you can be talking, a conversation. Oh, here's where a minefield, coffee shops, coffee shops, man. You go drink coffee, everyone wants to tell you why you think wrong. Hey, I think something, you're wrong. I'm just talking, man, give me a break, right? What theology did, do you believe? I had a, man, I love you guys so much, but I had a, I, um, this is just, you know, someone called me this week and they were like, you know, um, is is you know, Calvinism, Arminianism, what's the difference, what's right, what's wrong, and people will argue, so, uh, uh. here's my question, though. You got love. You got love. You know, it can puff you up. You don't be puffed up, but it can unite us. All right, we're going to keep going. Knowledge can lead to arrogance. Knowledge can unite believers. Finally, we see knowledge can be used to benefit. That's why we want this benefit. Okay, look at this. Verse 7, it's a transition. He done taught us this. However, don't you love that? You get an explanation. Then one says, however, however, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is what? Defiled. All right. I'm going to stop here. We've got to talk about this. All right. This is where, this is where love has to be Applied, right? Because you see, everyone does not yet have that knowledge. What knowledge? The knowledge that idols are nothing. Not everyone has that knowledge. Well, they may have it in their head, but they haven't worked that truth out in the way they live in their inner being, right? Their knowledge, well, what do you think about me? My knowledge had not been integrated into a pattern of living, right? You guys all know this. You can know something in your head and you don't live like it's, it's, it's true, right? And he says, because of that fact, their conscience can be what defiled because they are weak. Once again, I get it. Me and, the, and what I had, I had a weak conscience, right? So the conscience of some have not grown up to understand the liberty that they have in Christ. Once again, like me. They are immature, and here's the deal, immaturity can lead to legalism, all right? So, here's the question, here's the question. Who yields to who? Who's going to yield here? The, 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 the Christian with the strong conscience or the Christian with the weak conscience? Who yields to who? Well, we're going to see the strong yield to the weak. It's, it's in the text, and you can follow me through this as you're looking at it. Look, it says, it says the weaker brother if he does eat the meat, what happens? His conscience is defiled, okay? So this is what happens, all right? Um, 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 his conscience has told him, don't eat the meat. You know conscience. You all got a conscience. Now, the little conscience is going to tell you stuff. And that conscience tells him, don't eat the meat. That's part of paganism. Don't touch this. Do not do it. And then you, as a stronger brother, you don't have that conscience, but you know what his, his conscience says. And so instead of yielding to him, you go ahead, you eat the meat. Now, he's going to see you eating the meat, and what might happen? He, too, might eat the meat. Then what happens once he eats the meat? His conscience comes out, 
He feels sinful, he feels guilty, he feels condemned. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about because you've all been there. We all struggle through this, right? He's experienced stuff that you have not experienced. His background may be different than your background. Once again, he sees you, he, eats it. he becomes maybe more legalistic, but what often happens is he starts, I don't know, disliking you. He comes against you. You get division in the body. Paul says, it's better off to let that guy live by his conscience. It's better off to let him live by his conscience, even if it is confining him. It's better to avoid that so he doesn't, I don't know, defile his conscience. So knowledge, no, 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 no. Knowledge says you can eat the meat, but love says think about how eating that meat's going to affect your brother. And I may not choose to eat meat. Paul's going to say that. Because the brother whom I love, conscience, will harm him, defiled. The simple truth is this. If we all walked in this, it would free us as a church of a thousand headaches. It's really easy. It's not rocket science. Let's keep going. Verse 8. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. Listen, church, listen, listen, listen. But take care that this right of yours does not, look at this, look at this, somehow become a stumbling block to the weak, right? The problem in that scenario is not the weaker brother. The problem in that scenario is often the stronger brother. Because I've seen this in the church many times, the stronger brother often does not want to yield to the weaker brothers. I've seen it many times. You've seen it before. I've seen, I've seen the stronger brother flaunt his strength in front of his brother's weakness on purpose. How'd that happen? I won't give you an example. I'm going to give you an example. I've seen it. I've seen this. I've seen a weaker brother who loves Jesus, but they struggle with the fact, or they struggle with Christians who get tattoos. They just struggle with it. And I've seen a stronger brother get a tattoo and then on purpose walk in front of the weaker brother who struggles with it and show him his new tattoo. What's that about? We do that a hundred different ways. What's that about? There's no love there, man. There's no love there. We don't do that. We don't do that. Well, we do, but we shouldn't. Verse 10. Because this is going to speak to us. It's going to speak to us. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge, eating in an idol's temple... Will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? We talked about this already. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, destroyed the brother from whom, look, Christ died. Thus, therefore, a consequence of that action, sinning against your brother, because you did that, and wounding, look, their conscience when it is weak. Oh, feel the weight of this, church. You sin against Christ That'll grab your attention. 
I'll grab your attention. Why? Because that believer that you go around flaunting what you think is okay to do, you're sinning against them, but ultimately he says you're sinning against Jesus. Now, let these verses do what you want to with this. Whatever. Come on. I got taught on this. Jesus, thank you. What? Jesus said, in as so much you have done to the least of these, my brothers, you have what? Done unto me. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. Jesus said that, man. You're going to start flaunting stuff. You're going to start, you're going to start, you're going to start, I don't know, harming your brother. This one's even, Jesus said this. It is better for someone to hang a millstone around his neck and be drowned in the sea than it is to harm or offend one of these little ones that belong to me. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. The stronger yield to the weak. The stronger yield to the weak. Be careful not to be beating up your brother because in doing so, you sin against Jesus. Don't be flaunting that stuff. So I in love limit my freedoms because I love my Christian and sister, Christ sisters in Christ. Verse 13, I know it's hard. Does not, you know it, I've seen it. Does not, you, you, you get a little piece of knowledge and you get some freedom. You got a freedom. I feel, I feel, I feel like I, I feel, there's so many guys. I'm not going to get into them. I feel like as a Christian, I should do this. And then you sit there, you go to church, and you see another Christian who feels that what you're doing is wrong, that it harms their conscience. I've seen it so many times. We want to go flaunt it and brag about it, or we talk about it. Can you believe they still, little, they still believe like that? Why are you doing? No, there's no, there's just no love there. Let that not be us. Look at what Paul says, 13. Therefore, because of all of this, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. And I'm like, Paul, Paul says this, Paul says this, if eating meat, no, Paul said this, if eating meat caused my brother to stumble, I'm going to be a vegetarian. That's big stuff. That's big stuff. Knowledge is so important. Knowledge is essential, but it's not every, you got you got it's not, you got to have, you got to have love. You got to do it. You got to do it. We got to love each other. So let's circle back. It's all been explained there, but let's just make it practical. What do you do? What do you do? I'm in a situation. I'm not for sure if Christians should do this or shouldn't do this, so I'm going to meet with Travis and ask him. I want to save you. I want to save you. I want to save you the, the time, all right? There's four questions you can ask yourself if you want to know if you should or should not do something. If you ask yourself these four questions, you will always be aware of what you should or should not do. This is for everybody, all right? Let's just go through these four questions real quickly. This is so practical. All right, you got a situation? Should I do this? Should I not do it? First question, ask yourself this. What does the Bible say? That's the first question, right? The Bible is really clear on many things. The Word of God, the law of God, it tells us what we should and should not do gives us boundaries, acceptable, not acceptable. Okay, we got that. All right, that's the first question. What's the Bible say? And by the way, you don't need, listen, you don't need to ask me all the time. I mean, you don't, or someone, you can, you can read the Bible, you can. You, you're welcome to ask me. I, thank you for asking me. But I think sometimes, I don't know if it's the time we live in or the culture, they're like, 
Man, I Googled it and the Google didn't give me the right answer. Read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. But it's a big book. Well, you got time, read it. All right, what does the Bible say? Second question, what does my conscience say? That's the second question, right? The Bible may give me freedom in certain areas, but my conscience may say, don't do that, right? Maybe because of your past. We've all experienced different things, right? And because of our experiences, our consciences are different. And because of our culture and all this stuff, if if the Bible says it's okay and your conscience says, don't do it, listen to your conscience, Listen to your, never, it's, a, it's never violate your conscience, guys. Never do it. Your conscience is like God's doorkeeper. It keeps us in areas that you don't belong in right now. Now, just like me, these last few weeks, you know, God's been, in, been, 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 been illuminating me and, and helping me. And as you grow, maybe doors will be open to you and you are able to walk through them. I, I, I now feel confident walking into any building. But, you know, three weeks ago, I'd have said no. It's okay to change. As your conscience grows, you can grow. It's okay. But never, never, never violate your conscience. Three, this is real important too. What does my weakness require? Here's what I mean. It's an important question. So maybe the Bible says, yeah, you can do that. Maybe your conscience says, yeah, you can do that. But you know you're weak in a certain area. You know there's certain sins that can easily entangle you. And even though the Bible says it's okay, even though your conscience says it's okay, my friend, run from that situation. Never get in an area or do something that might entangle you in sin. And you know what your personal weaknesses are. You do. And I know people, people, you know, you know. Don't even play in that general area. Just get out. Fourth question. This is what we've been talking about. What does my friend need? Come on, guys. What is it? And you're like, I know, I know. We're Americans, you know, and we're like, what is it? Man, I'm my own man. You're telling me not only do I have to obey my own conscience, I got to obey a conscience of someone else. I want to do my own thing. Jesus said, no, man, we family. We family, man. We family. The Bible gave me freedom. My conscience gave me freedom. I got no weakness there. If my brother sees me there, it's going to crush him. I'm going to sin against him. I'm going to sin against Jesus. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Four questions. Yeah. I hope that I'm mature enough to be able to lay aside my freedoms because I love you. And I hope some of you are willing to lay aside your freedoms because you love me. That's a work in progress. So knowledge can lead to arrogance, for sure. It's essential but not sufficient. You need love. Knowledge can unite. Guys, it can unite us. Knowledge can benefit all of us. If you don't know what to do, let me just say that one more time. If you do not know what to do in any given situation, what does the Bible say? What does my conscience say? What does my weakness require? What does my friend need? Once again, don't need a flow chart. Don't need a doctorate. This is easy stuff. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. Father, I know that I'm weak in many areas. I know. I pray that we are a church that yields to one another, that we are concerned with one another. 
that I will not boast in my strength and defile my friend, sin against you. I pray, Father, that we'd be a men and a women in a church that honors you in our actions and our deeds. And we ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.